Welcome, everybody, to the Tea with Miss McGill podcast. It is Puka, and we're fired up here to do another episode. If you have a minute, perhaps you're uh, even a, a student athlete on the way to your next game. If you have a minute to uh, maybe write a review, obviously hit the subscribe button. We would appreciate that a lot. And we also want to thank our friends over at Chomps. All of the info on Chomps will be listed in the description below. And again, some of you student athletes that are looking for a little bit of an edge, you want a snack, but you want a healthy snack, Check out Chomps Meat. We got beef. We got turkey. Zero sugar. This is the best kind of protein you can get. Whole30 approved. Paleo approved. This is the good stuff. Like I said, beef and turkey. Check out Chomps in the description. All right. Now we'll bring in the star of the show, Coach Reed Larson. How are we doing, Mr. Larson? Just phenomenal, Puka. Excited for yet again another installment of the tea with Miss McGill and we'll talk a lot about high school hockey here today and area hockey as we always do but more so getting into uh, some huge matchups from the last couple days we'll get into uh, previewing a big matchup for tomorrow night and we'll talk about how the section is going to work for section seven absolutely yeah and you know last week we talked how we had some you know, some COVID uh, delays, but, uh, you know, going forward here, it looks like that might have ironed itself out just a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, let's reverse. Uh, let's go back to Friday last week. You were able to catch the Roseau Grand Rapids matchup up in Roseau, Minnesota. Yeah, the three-and-a-half-hour drive up to Roseau. Uh, we had our own Bantam games going on up there. It was a tournament up there that weekend. But, uh, lo and behold, both Grand Rapids boys and girls, Grand Rapids Greenway girls, were in Roseau Friday night as well. Uh, so we got a chance to uh, sneak in and get an opportunity to watch some of the Grand Rapids Roseau game. That was a five to one win over Roseau. It was kind of an ugly game, to be quite honest with you. There was some things that uh, Coach Chido wanted to work out of the game, try to get a couple of things ironed out. Roseau actually came into that game with, from what I was hearing, their third string goalie. And the other two, I guess, were out either quarantined or with COVID. You don't always get the straight answer on that, of course, because of HIPAA rules and laws. Uh, But we knew that they were out quarantined and they had their number three goalie in the net, from what I was hearing. And uh, he had a pretty darn good game. They they outshot him significantly into the high 40s where they only gave up. And actually, they gave up probably some of the most shots that they've given up uh, to date, uh, that against Rozo, Rozo had gotten right on to about 15 to 18 shots on Grand Rapids, which they don't typically give up more than about 10 in a game. So sure. Rozo was pumping. They were excited. Rapids was uh, maybe a little bit of bus legs all the way up, you know, three and a half, four-hour drive, depending on if you're on a bus or if you're in the, the vehicle with the parents. Uh, but they did not start the first period out very well. Uh, Coach Chido goes into the locker room and uh, uh, throws a shot off the bow and calls a few players out, and it changed sides really quick. The game ended. uh, It got interesting, though, in the second period, but then it kind of started to sway even more in the direction of Grand Rapids. and They they put them away kind of late with a 5-1 victory. Braden Holcomb with two goals in that game. 
fun to watch. Uh, Wyatt Pilkington still the number one goalie and up to this point has played seven games for the Thunderhawks. Rozo just battling through it. Uh, they're kind of a year away from being really, really good, uh, but it was an awesome game to watch. Okay. Well, yeah, that's an unfortunate situation there with the goalies, but that's, that's, you know, that's athletics, I guess you'd say. And, you know, this 2021, whether it's school year or even on the professional level, uh, we can see what's going on with the wild now with their paws and such. And yeah, you, you, you know, you feel for a team and, and, uh, you know, obviously they got, you know, they got pounded by Waro there a couple of weeks ago and, and looking for a rebound and now Rapids kind of gives it to them at home. So they're, they're definitely, the struggle is real up in Rozo right now. It is. Yes, it is. And, and not only was the struggle real as far as, you know, dealing with all the COVID things and whatnot, but it was cold up there. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a cold barn. You know, when my wife, decided she was excited to be a hockey mom. We ran up there. This was in 08 when uh, Fox Sports was doing games. And uh, it was World Rozo. Aaron Ness was a junior but was actually a senior because, that, you know, he had already announced he was going to go to the Gophers and such. And, and uh, so we drove up and, uh, you know, hit the Legion there in the, in the parking lot before game and had some burgers and such and visit with Billy Lund and uh, Coach Lund. And then, uh, you know, watched that game. I remember sitting kind of towards the bottom, you know, where it was a little colder to see how she – you know, see what she would think about it. But, uh, you know, her cheeks got pretty red, her nose got pretty red, and but she never complained. I said, all right, she's ready to be a hockey yeah, mom. So no better place, no better place to break them in than, than you Rose. You initiated her very well into <laughs> yeah. the world of being a hockey mom. Well done, Puka. Yeah, so then, yeah, I was able to catch uh, the Hibbing-Evleth game that was at the take, took place at the Hibbing Memorial building. Uh, 0-0 tie after overtime. Pretty you know, pretty even match. I, I think coach Terrell's uh, Evelyn Gilbert, Masabi East golden bears might've been just a tad bit in better shape. It seems like the longer the periods went on, the game kind of shifted into Evelyn's favor. And that included the overtime where I think Evelyn probably had the upper hand there, but uh, you know, like I said, pretty evenly matched uh, uh, Terrell in nets. Uh, I think it's Andrew, you know, had a good game trout wine. You know, he's got the puck a lot for Evelyn, uh, Brandon Lind, was a name that was thrown around a lot. And then on the Hibbing end, uh, Bullfrider, uh, he's one of the youngsters. He, his name was mentioned a lot. And then uh, Braden Boyer was, was the goalie there and, and uh, did a fine job for Hibbing. So those are some of the names and kind of uh, things that stuck out for me on Friday. And then uh, now we'll fast forward right to last night, to Tuesday night. And of course you were, you were on the my nine microphone over in Virginia. Yeah. So well, I want to back up just one second. If, if that's okay, there was kind of a big game uh, or not maybe big game, but kind of a significant game in comparison to uh, when we touch base a little bit more here um, for Tuesday night's games um, backing up to Saturday, uh, February 6th. And this is just to kind of give you a little bit of a preview as to what's coming up here in the future. Brainerd traveled to Hermantown on Saturday the 6th, and Hermantown put the hit on them 6-1. to one. So I just wanted to put that out there because when we start talking about Tuesday night's games here, last night's games, uh, there'll be another common opponent uh, with Brainerd and Grand Rapids Uh of course, we have sure. the Brainerd Hermantown coming up Thursday, so we were trying to get every comparison we possibly can to get people excited about it. So that was that game, six to one Hermantown over Brainerd Saturday, Tuesday night, last night, 
the My Nine Sports game of, well, the first game of the week. Uh, Hibbing traveled to the Miners Memorial Building in Virginia uh, and absolutely put on a physical clinic with Virginia in the second period. It was a 1-1 hockey game in the first. Um, you mentioned the, mentioned the Frieder kid. He broke away for uh, for a breakaway to tie the game one to one. It was a uh, a nice play early on in the game by Brendan Peterson. To, uh, the pop went in the net, but then Frieder ties it. It's one one through the first period, and it was all second period, all hibbing. It was physicality. It was forecheck and bodies down in the Virginia zone, and they just could not control the puck to get it out. They battled, 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 and they scored. Hibbing scored three goals in the second period to go up 4-1, to one, and it stayed that way until the third period when, when Virginia was just able to pop in one more. Um, they tried to get the momentum back, but just it was too little too late. Uh, the, the sting was put on too hard in the second period. Hibbing did kind of fade away a little bit in the third, uh, but as soon as Virginia tried to get any kind of momentum back, Hibbing would come back with a physical play. And, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of those Hibbing names. Connor Willard had a goal. Uh, Joe Allison had mm-hmm. a goal. Uh, Frieder had a goal. Uh, there was another goal up top from Sanborn. He shot that, and I think that was the final goal of the game, but he fired it and went off the foot of Tyler Lamorier and went in. So when it's your night, it's your night, Hibbing, and uh, sometimes you make your own luck by playing physical and working hard. Yeah, there was that one hit uh, where the, the Hibbing defenseman laid the, the Virginia guy out at the blue line, uh, and I think that might have kind of been – I think that was in the second period. I think that was kind of one of the turning points. Like I said, yeah, Connor Willard, he had a big game. You know, his name, uh, you could hear his name mentioned a lot. And I think Kangas, the goalie for, you know, Virginia MIB, he, he had a little bit of an off night. That's not necessarily a bad night, but, you know, he's the kind of guy that can stand on his head. And, and I, I think he, you know, I, I think Virginia as a team was a little flimmy. And maybe he was just part of that. They were, they were a little flat. They didn't bring a lot of energy to, you know, and you had mentioned it during the broadcast that, that was a big surprise to me too. When I moved back to the area in 2007, the rivalry that had really brewed and developed between the blue devils and the blue jackets. And it just seemed Virginia was flat for that. Yeah, they were flat for it. And, you know, kind of later in my career coaching in Virginia, it seemed like the longer I was there, the the more the Virginia Eveleth rivalry started to come back. Um, But early in my career, I started there in 2011 the biggest rivalry was Virginia Hibbing, and that that really dated back to um, you know the oh four oh five, and then through the the early two thousands into two thousand ten, when it was Hibbing and Virginia playing for the Section Seven A finals every year. It was uh, it was a battle back and forth, and that bad blood kind of stuck uh, probably about through halfway through. Um, my tenure there in Virginia. And then it kind of took over. Hibbing kind of took over a little bit. They kind of started to beat us every year when we kind of got through the Perunovich crew. Um, And and then we kind of started to come back and thump them towards the end. But Eveleth was kind of coming back, and that rivalry was a little bit bigger. So it was interesting how those rivalries kind of go um, on kind of a roller coaster ride over the decades. Yeah, and I I think there was a period of time during those years that you're talking about uh, in the, you know, late 
what maybe oh eight oh nine. I think I think Eveleth had some weak teams, so I don't think there was a lot of competition there. But now they've you know they've established themselves as an you know competitive Iron Range team again. So that makes sense that you know if the games are going to be competitive with Virginia, that that would be the natural rivalry. Because my years in the nineties when we played Virginia, Virginia played hard, but it, it just didn't feel like a rivalry game. You know, Grand Rapids felt like a rivalry right. game. Um, even Chisholm felt like a rivalry right. game, but just not you know, not Virginia. Um, and one last note I just wanted to make were just some of the names, uh, you know, over there that, you know, uh, like uh, the Flatley and, and Tiedemann and, and Scherf, you know, just some of these hockey fans, Headley, you know, uh, Callister, you know, it's just Bialki, <laughs> Rudabush, you know, I, I've known Rudabush's dad for, for 20 years. You know, it's just funny just hearing some of the names and just kind of how they either repeat because, you know, the families or just because, you know, I just been around the rink and know their dads and all of a sudden it's, oh my gosh. Well, the child's old enough to a lot of that group now. of guys that you just <laughs> named right there, two or three of those families are really nice, God-fearing Catholic families who uh, did their part by having four or five kids. through with the Bialkis <laughs> and the Flatleys. They got more coming. <laughs> All right, so that wasn't the only matchup we had our eye on last night uh, over here in Grand Rapids. The Thunderhawks played host to the Brainerd Yeah, the, uh, and I, of course, we didn't get a chance to see as much of that where I was at. I was kind of keeping up um, via Twitter while I was on on the air with my nine, but it seemed as though it was kind of a, a little bit of a slow start for the Thunderhawks. At one point in time, Brainerd was up 2-1. to one. Rapids had to tie it. Uh, and then it kind of went from there into the second period or at the end of the first period. And then I think they kind of took control. So the first period was kind of an ugly, slow start for the Thunderhawks from what I'm hearing. Uh, but then it really kind of took over rapid scoring uh, three or four power play goals. Uh, and we'll talk about some of those statistics as we get on Two two goals scored by Ren Mercoy, uh, another goal scored by Jack Peart. I believe a few of those that we just mentioned were power play goals, and you got a power play that's clicking at like 38 or 36%. So uh, pretty difficult to stop a team like that if you're going to put them on the power play and they're that talented. Yeah, I, I, I had both games up, and I, I you know was flashing. I had the sound flashing back between the two. But, yeah, I just seemed like Rapids got a, a slow start. I, you know, Brainerd, a little bit lucky on the goals, but I didn't know because I didn't know I have any expectations on Brainerd. I shouldn't say expectations are probably the wrong word. I just I didn't have any idea what kind of a team. So when it was tight, I thought, oh, geez, it's well, just going to be tight. You know, Brainerd, uh, Brainerd's having uh, a- One of those goals that was scored by Brainerd, uh, I don't know about the other one, but one of them, it seemed like that puck was just absolutely like, uh, you know, like a pinball machine. It hit four different people and ended up in the back of the net. So you know, sometimes it's it's your night when you get lucky. and uh, But that's – that that luck is only going to last for so long when you're playing against a team that's as talented as Grand Rapids is right now. They're going to figure it out at some point in time and get going. However, the matchup that's coming tonight that we'll preview here in a couple of minutes, that matchup, they're not going to be able to afford to have that slow sloppy start when they play Hermantown on Thursday. They're not. Right. And now are you, I was a little surprised. So, you know, as the game moved on and you could clearly see Rapids was a superior team. I was a little surprised. Uh, with the goaltending uh, choice for Rapids, uh, you know, I, I guess you know he's he said he's I think they're seven and zero now. He's played all seven games. Is, is it pick? P- pronounce the name for me. Pil- Pilkington. P- yep. Pilkington. Okay, so he's he's played all the games. Again, a young tender, I believe. Uh, uh, the Gunderson. He's a sophomore. 
when when and how do you find some game time for him? I mean, it's you know he's got seven games without, I believe, unless I'm incorrect. You know, and you still want him obviously mentally engaged. Uh, you know, home game on a Tuesday night. Uh, you know, well, what are your thoughts? looking at it from a coaching standpoint and a development standpoint. Uh, at some point in time, you you want to think about trying to get you know, the younger goaltender in for some experiences, he's probably going to be the guy next year and the year after. But at what point do you do that uh, when you're on a run? I mean, you're undefeated right now. You can't change that goalie. There's no way you can change it. it. Especially when you got a goaltender like Wyatt Pilkington, who's got three shutouts in seven games. So I I don't know that you make the change yet. Uh, At some point in time, there might be a day where they say, all right, well, this is a – I don't know that they have any layups on their schedule, but I was going to say at some point that there's a layup game. Do you give do you give Gunderson a, a crack at it? Uh, for me, in my in this situation, I think their schedule is so difficult. I think they got to keep going with the hot goalie until he's not hot anymore. Sure, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. There's an old there's an old analogy in uh, investing. The trend is your friend, Absolutely. and that can be directly related to this. Like I said, he got the hot hand. You go with it. And you talk about a layup. I did catch a, a couple of scores here, uh, and then we can move on. Uh, layup, uh, Duluth, Marshall played Ely last night in a big 9-1 win. Uh, Denfeld over Cloquet 7-4, which is a little surprising. And North Shore, I would consider this maybe just a bit of an upset at home with a 6-5 win over. Yeah, that's a I big one there. there. There's another one that we have been thinking about and people have been talking about for 22 years now. So Hermantown and Duluth East had their first matchup in 22 years. The last time that Hermantown played Duluth East was in February of 1999. 22 years, and this, there's a whole big story that you can pull up that I went into the Duluth News Tribune yesterday morning, so you can read that story for yourself. Uh, but but Hermantown came out completely dominating. It was a five to one win over Duluth East. I'm sure Coach Mike Randolph was not happy about that, but I don't know if anybody honestly expected anything different than that. Uh, but there will be another matchup of those two teams in March. I think it's going to be March eighth, um, and we're going to have that on my nine. So we'll talk more about that. I think Duluth is going to try to put whatever they can together uh, to make that an interesting game in the future. Yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, have you commentating and watching that one. All right, well, let's move away from the games. We'll come back to them in just a minute here. But uh, we have some details now on, or you have some details on how the playoff picture and how things are kind of going to work in this COVID year for Section 7. Uh, you know, can you fill us in? Yeah, so Section 7A is is not as widespread throughout the course of the state as far as, you know, where their location is. So Section 7A is going to be seeded and played high seed will play at home all the way through. So that, that that's pretty clean cut. You, really, for all the teams that are in Section 7A, um, the only thing that's different there is usually the high seed in a regular year only plays at home in the quarterfinals. And then you would have a, a you know, a, a big night where they have a, the semifinals at Amsoil arena. And then the finals would be at Amsoil. They're not doing that. They're having the home, the top seed play at home all the way through the section final. So that's what they're doing with that. And the reason why they can afford to do that is because all of those teams for the most part are in Northern Minnesota. 
or Duluth, or the Duluth area. But if you get into Section Seven AA, you've got four teams in Section Seven AA that are in the north part of the state, and you've got four teams that are in the metro. So they kind of did uh, kind of like a north-south subsection where they set that up. What they're going to do is they're actually going to seed all eight teams in Section 7 AA. So there's a one through an eight seed just so they have their seeding uh, so that it comes together in, in the final. So, you know, who in the final game actually gets to be the home seed and gets home ice advantage. But they are going to separately take those, and it should work out anyways, um, take those. They're going to have the, the seed be seeded in the the four teams will be seated in the north part, and then there's another four teams that will be seated in the south part. And so basically, if you're looking at it, and this is just kind of a guesstimate of where I think things land at the moment, but if we were seeding at the moment, Grand Rapids, if we're talking about the north, Grand Rapids would be the one seed. Duluth would be the two seed in the north. Um, CEC would be the three seed in the north. And Duluth Marshall would be the four seed in the north. Okay, and then if you look over to the south side of things, Andover would be the one seed in the south. Elk River would be the two seed in the south. Forest Lake, the three seed in the south. And Anoka, the four seed in the south. So basically in the south, you'd have Andover and Anoka playing in the first round. Elk River and, and Forest Lake playing in the first round. And then, of course, then they would play the semifinals in the south. And one of those teams would end up making it into the section finals. Okay, and then you would have on the north side, you'd have Grand Rapids likely playing against Duluth Marshall in the first round, East and Cloquet playing in the quarterfinals. And then likely you would, uh, you'd have Rapids playing against either East or Cloquet. And then that whoever wins that game, you have a north versus a south in the section final. And, of course, whoever going back to the previous one through eight seeding, whoever was the higher seed – between the North team and the South team and the original one through eight seating would get to host at home and be the home seat. Sure. Okay. Interesting. And I like that. I mean, that's, that's, that's I guess that's one neat thing that's going to happen with COVID is, is the home, you know, that home situation, but you know, it, it may be 50 years before we see something like that again. So that, you know, so the neutral sites, I mean, I, I understand why they do neutral sites, but it will bring a lot of energy to the building. Um, even though, you know, I'm sure all restrictions will still be in place at that time as well, far as fans I'll, and I'll such. Just, but uh, it should I'm be really a lot looking of forward to the possibility of there being three playoff games at the IRA Civic Center. If things work the, right. themselves out the way they should, and I don't mean to speak before I should speak in the seating situation, but that's the difference. We we have a podcast, a podcast, and I get to have an opinion about where I think people are going to land. So there you have it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Speaking of opinions, we want to move on and preview a big one coming up here. Uh, and I know you've got some opinions about this one, so I will. Uh, All right. Well, got the floor. let's take a look at the game. We're going to preview the game on Thursday night and just kind of in, in comparison, take a look at Grand Rapids and Hermantown. Okay. I, I did a whole lot of research today as I looked into some of their team statistics, their team stats, and then a few individual stats, some things that people can kind of compare as to what they think the game might look like on Thursday night. Of course, we're going to have that on My Nine Sports. It'll be in Hermantown. Rapids is traveling to Hermantown. So bear in mind that Rapids is going to, it's not going to have the home ice advantage for this game. Hermantown has the home ice advantage. So, 
what you're looking at with Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids is seven and zero. Okay, they are ranked in right now through the Let's Play Hockey rankings. Um, last I looked, they were anywhere between four or six in Double A. Hermantown is nine and zero. They've played two more games than Grand Rapids, but have been ranked number one most of the season, except the first couple of weeks. So they're ranked number one in single A. Um, I always tend to like to go check out the QRF rankings on minnesotascores.net. So I checked out the QRF and I check out the overall QRF because when you do that, you're not separating between A and double A. They kind of have comparisons of the top single A team with the, the top double A team. So as the QRF is at this point in time, Grand Rapids is ranked number three in the overall QRF with 84 points. And Hermantown is ranked number 12 with 64 or 63.4 points overall. And people say, well, geez, why is that? They're rated number one. Well, you have to take into consideration a lot of different things that go into that algorithm. And one of the things that go into that algorithm that boosts your QRF is your strength of schedule. And right now, Rapids plays a tougher schedule at the moment up to this point than Hermantown has played. Um, so that's part of it there. Um, looking a little bit farther down the statistics, and I'm just going to go right across the board. Grand Rapids, the, the amount of goals for that they have scored against their opponents, they have scored 30 goals in seven games, which is on average 4.29 goals per game. Okay, now compare Hermantown, their goals for per game. They've scored 78 goals in nine games. <laughs> Isn't that something? That's their ridiculous. goals per game is 8.67 per game. That's where they're set. Okay, <laughs> they're even Steven on goals against. Grand Rapids has only given up five goals in seven games. And Hermantown has only given up five goals in nine games. So Rapids is sitting at a .71 per game average goals against. And Hermantown is sitting at .56 goals per game against. So those are similar, but it's the goals for that just make you shake your head for Hermantown. And again, keep in consideration what the QRF is telling you uh, for Grand Rapids and Hermantown, the QRF is telling you right now that Rapids has played up to this point a more difficult schedule than Hermantown has. And that could answer the question as to why Hermantown has 78 goals and Rapids only has 30. So that's something. Um, and that could put into play with some other special teams here too. But I've seen Hermantown special teams and they are unbelievable as well as Grand Rapids right now. Grand Rapids is uh, power play is clicking at about 36.8% versus Hermantown's power play, which is clicking at about 45.5%. Yeah. Those are unbelievable stats when you're looking at a high school, especially when you see 45%, that's unreal. You don't see that at a high school team. Yeah. Um, penalty kill for Rapids is 86.4. And penalty kill for Hermantown is 92.3%. So unreal when you're looking at some of these stats. But let's bring in some of the statistics uh, when you're looking at the goaltending. So we talked about Wyatt Pilkington for Grand Rapids has played all seven games. He's 7-0. and But he's got three shutouts. And his goals, his save percentage is 94.8, and his goals against average is 
Okay, uh, Hermantown has played both goalies kind of split a little bit. They're pretty even as far as they've kind of going back and forth a little bit in their games. You got uh, Cole Thorvig, the 11th grader, and you got uh, uh, Garen Upsall, who's the 10th grader. Uh, they both have an uh, equal save percentage of 0.938. Uh, but the goals against average are a little bit different. Cole Thorvig has a .38 goals against average, and Upsall has a .71 goals against average. So the goaltending situation is uh, Coach Chido has kind of pushed on Wyatt Pilkington as being the guy a little bit more than what uh, Coach Pat Andrews has done with there. He's kind of split his goaltenders a little bit more. Uh, yes, the interesting situation, and now I kind of want to take a peek at shots for – how many shots have they each gotten on their opponents and how many shots have they allowed um, uh, from their opponents? So Grand Rapids is on average right now, uh, averaging 36.4 shots against, or uh, excuse me, shots for per game. And that goes to, on average, Hermantown has averaged 58 shots a game. Okay. <laughs> Yep, so now you take a look at shots against. Rapids has only allowed, on average, about 13.85 shots per game, and Hermantown has only allowed, on average, nine shots a game. So you got your scoring leaders for each team, and I thought in Rapids there's two people we should mention. Um, There's definitely a bunch of people we could mention in Hermantown as far as their scoring leaders right now, but there's one that really sticks out. So Grand Rapids' uh, top point getter right now is Hunter Bischoff with six goals, seven assists for 13 points. Uh, their future NHL draft pick and Jack Peart has got three goals and nine assists for 12 points. He's the best defenseman in the state of Minnesota. Uh, they could argue that uh, Joey Pierce is uh, shortly behind him. Uh, Joey Pierce is going to be a draft pick too, but I don't think he's a first, second rounder like Jack Peart is. But at any rate, Joey Pierce is another guy to talk about for Hermantown. Besides the other one we're going to talk about, Hermantown's point leader is Zam Plant with 19 goals and 15 assists for 34 points. And that's only in nine games, Puka. He's leading the state in goals. He's the number one goal scorer in the state, and he's the number one point getter in the state. And a sophomore. And a sophomore. <laughs> so, but it is definitely worth conversation. I know on my Twitter page, I, I posted out uh, this morning, was it last night? It was late last night. So it was early, early this morning. I posted out the matchup between the two and the two faces that I put up there. I put up Jack Peart's face up on there and I put up Joey Pierce's face on there just because I figured I'd go with the senior. I'm not going to allow Zamplant to be the go-to guy just yet. He's only a sophomore. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a great matchup, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, I, you know, Pierce, he's a heck of a player. Obviously, Jack's a heck of a player. Uh, so thank you. I mean, that was a lot of work. You had a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I just uh, wanted to put else? that there and and uh, and get as much information on those two teams, and people can listen to that information and try to compare the two. Uh, you know what? You can compare all day long, but at the end of the day. Whoever walks out of that game right now has bragging rights. Whoever walks out on top. But the good news is, for whoever doesn't walk out on top in that game, they get to play again. They're going to play again in March. And uh, (laughs) back-to-back there, you get a chance to see those teams play more than once. And that's 
a common occasion for Grand Rapids. The last probably about three or four years, they've played Hermantown twice. Um, you know what? You, you want to play teams when you're a top-tier team in the state of Minnesota. You want to play teams that are going to challenge you every single game. Um, Rapids plays a pretty difficult schedule. They know that Hermantown is going to be the, the top team in single A. Put them on the schedule twice, especially they're only an hour drive away. Absolutely. And before, okay, we're running short on time, but before I let you go, I wanted you to be able to comment. Uh, you were just m- mentioned Twitter. Do you want to mention or talk about Dave Spihar? Well, Twitter so the Dave Spihar Twitter page is not actually Dave Spihar. It, I, I believe it's somebody who just has a Twitter page that says, I'm going to pull it up here real quick, but it says it's Dave Spihar, but I think in its actual um, info, it's. I think it says it's not actually him. So I think it's a ghost, it's a ghost rider. rider. Uh, <laughs> whatever. I'm going to pull it up here. It's it. It just says it's a parody account, not real. So whatever that is telling you, it's a oh, parody it account. Okay. That somebody that put together an account saying it's him. It's at Minnesota Hockey Star. It, whatever. Um, but he said that he had heard rumors. Now, these are just rumors. So, of course, when we talk about this on here, we get to talk gossip because, again, we have a podcast and you're listening. So um, here's the rumor he put out there. The rumor he heard was that Hermantown had made a comment. Now, again, rumor. Hermantown had made a comment that if they beat both Duluth East and Grand Rapids this week, that they would plan to move A next year. That's the rumor we're hearing. Now, if that's the case, that's big. Uh, Rapids is not for any reason on the face of the earth ever going to just take a dive for everybody else in the state of Minnesota. Make it, Rapids is going to try to win a hockey game and they're <laughs> going to try to dominate a hockey game. But if Hermantown comes out on top, I'd be really interested to see what Dave Spihar has to say or the parody account of Dave Spihar, what he has to say when uh, if that happens. Wow. Well, stay tuned, hockey fans. And, of course, if there's any breaking news on Hermantown's decision, you will be able to catch it right here with the Tea with Miss McGill show. So with that, uh, thank you so much, uh, Coach Larson, especially for all those stats and taking the time to put all that together. Heck of a game that will be coming up tomorrow night. I just want to reach back to last Friday and and, uh, wish Coach Eric Rewerts of Hibbing a happy birthday last Friday. So happy birthday, Coach. Again, if you want to support the show, Go down to the show links and click on the Chomps link there, and you can check out all the best meat sticks in the United States. Share if you like this program, and we will catch you all on the next Two with Miss McGill show. Get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the Two with Miss McGill show. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.